Welcome to the Old Time Radio Hour on Sid Valley Radio. This is Sid Valley Radio. This week on the Old Time Radio Hour, we'll be listening to a half-hour crime show, followed by a 30-minutes drama program. So, just sit back and relax. As we revisit the truly golden age of radio. In planning your crime, my friend, you thought you had an airtight story to go with it. But you overlooked one little detail that makes it nothing but a tissue of lies and pins the crime of deliberate murder directly on you. Good evening. I'm Bob Maxwell. With a mushrooming crime wave that is sweeping the country, we have invited Dr. Colin Doyle, the renowned specialist in forensic medicine, to bring us each week a case selected from his personal files on the parole board. Tonight's story, The Case of the Bad Actor, number 187 in the files of Colin Doyle, Crime Doctor. Hello? Helen, this is me. I'm leaving work now. What do you say we grab a bite to eat and take in a movie? What? Nothing doing, Walter. The only thing we're grabbing tonight is my play manuscript. What do you think I've been waiting here for? Oh, Helen, we're not going to rehearse again tonight. Oh, you promised you'd help me with my part. It's important to me and you know it, so don't try and talk me out of it. Honest, I don't know why you want to fool around with a bunch of amateurs anyhow. The little theater group is not amateur. Yeah, I know, but... Come on, no but. This is my big opportunity, Walter, and nothing is going to stand in my way. Is that clear? Nothing. Helen, for the love of Mike, you'd think you'd have enough to do around the house without getting mixed up in the theater. Oh, now, Walter, don't be like that. You know how much this means to me. Well, all right. I guess I won't get any peace around here unless I go through with it. What part do you want to rehearse? This last scene in the first act, uh, where the husband has the falling out with his wife. Not that same scene again. Oh, I can't seem to get it right. Yeah, but it's so noisy. Last time you rehearsed it, I thought the walls had caved in and the neighbors was banging so hard. <laughs> Never mind the neighbors. Oh, wait, uh, here's the place right here. Okay. It's uh, where the wife has just come home at three in the morning. Now, are uh, you ready? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> ah, there you are. Some hour, I must say. So, you waited up for me, did you? Yes, I waited up. Do you know what time it is? It's the time I decided to come home. It is, eh? Why, you little tramp, I'm getting fed up with this. Now, isn't that just too bad? You're damn right it is. I won't have you going on like this. Where you been? Never mind where I've been. Take your dirty hands off of me. I'll take my hands off nothing. I'd like to wring your crummy neck. I'd like to see you try it. I'm warning you. One of these days, I'm going to... Go to neighbors. What do they tell you? Ah, never mind those crumbs, will you? I was going great. Ah, go take a flying jump. Come on, Wolf. I was going great. Okay. Now I'm warning you. One of these days, I'm going to put a bullet through that empty head of yours. One of these days, I'm going to spit right in your eyes. Listen, you little. Ah, shut up. Shut up. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Lousy bums. It's no use, Helen. I'll have the cops down on us if we keep this up. Yeah, I guess so. But I gotta rehearse. I just have to go over to Edna's. She'll still be up. Maybe no one will disturb us there. Yeah, 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 sure. You go over to Edna's. I won't be long, Walter. Right, take your time, honey. Like you say, you gotta be right in the part. You gotta rehearse. Hello? 
Bill. Helen. I'm calling from a payphone. Where's Walter? Home watching the TV. I told him I was going to Edna's. Everything all right? A-OK. Letter perfect. Good. Meet me at Bailey's. I'll be there in five minutes. in his boots. Uh, two beers, waiter. It's all. Everything went letter perfect, huh, Helen? So far, Phil. Couldn't have gone better. You rehearsed the play all right? The exact scene you told me. Loud and clear? Shouting all the way. The neighbors could hear you good, huh? You should have heard the banging. Say, I couldn't have yelled any louder if we were having a real fight. Yeah, terrific. You, you got in that line about him taking his hands off you. Sure. And the one about him wanting to wring my neck, too. That's great. That's great. Now we'll have all the witnesses we want to back you up. You know, uh, I wish there was another way out. What? Walt isn't a bad sort. I, I kind of hate to knock him off. Hey, are you kidding? After all the plans we made? I didn't say we wouldn't knock him off. I just said I wish there was another way. Yeah, well, don't even think like that, huh? With Walter out of the way, all our dreams will come true. I know, Phil. You and me for always, huh? That's right, for always. And Walter's money, too. And you think we only have to wait a couple of more days? That's all. Now, the second act rehearsal will build up the fight to where we want it. And the third act takes care of the shoot. Gee, Phil, you should have been an author or something. Them words you wrote, they're beautiful. Hey, listen, I even got us a clincher. A uh, clincher? That's right. Now, you heard of... Hold it. Uh, two beers? <laughs> I've seen that movie, too. Al Pacino, he was terrific. Oh, thank you, buddy. Okay. You heard of Colin Doyle, didn't you? Colin Doyle? You mean the crime doctor? That's the guy. What about him? Well, he's the clincher. You're going to him for advice. I'm what? Yeah, sure. You, you go to him, you say, geez, Mr. Crime Doctor, you got to help me. He says... Yeah, lady, what's the matter? You say... My husband. I'm afraid he's going to kill me. You got it, baby. <laughs> he says, what makes you think so? And you... I tell him. You tell him. It sets it up with the law in advance. We're in a clear. A clincher. Say, you sure got the brains all right, Phil. I got to hand it to you. Let's drink to it, huh? To Colin Doyle, the crime doctor. And what he don't know won't hurt him. <laughs> We'll be back with Act Two of Colin Doyle, Crime Doctor, in just a few moments. But first... You're listening to the Old Time Radio Hour on Sid Valley Radio. Now back to Colin Doyle, Crime Doctor, and the case of the bad actor. To Colin Doyle, the Crime Doctor. And what he don't know won't hurt him. Well, I, I heard how you like to help people out and all, and I thought maybe you'd help me. All I can say to that, Mrs. Norris, is that I'd be very glad to help you if I can. Uh, but tell me, what makes you think your husband might want to kill you? His general attitude. Why, uh, when we were first married, Walter was always so sweet to me. He always brought me flowers and all like that. Now he takes a swing at me every chance he gets. I see. Uh, tell me, Mrs. Norris, is your husband a drinking man? Yeah, you understand I have to ask you these questions oh, in order sure, to... Oh, sure, sure. Is he a drinking man? I can't never remember when he doesn't have a glass in his hand. I try to get him to lay off the bottle when he comes home. You know, relax, sit in the easy chair, read the paper. Go on. Well, I don't like to say, but uh, no sooner does he get in the house when out he goes again to the corner bar. Then he comes home all boozed up and picks a fight with me, who only has his best interests at heart. Why, the other night... I mean, it was terrible, Dr. Doyle. The other night he beat me black and blue. I was so embarrassed for the neighbors. Now, please compose yourself, Mrs. Norris. Uh, I... I'm sorry, Doctor. I... I didn't mean to come here and carry on like this. I'm sorry. You care for your husband a great deal, don't you? 
to worship the ground that man walks on. Did you tell him that you were coming here to see me? No, I didn't. I'd hate to think of what he would do if I did. Mm-hmm. I see. Uh, one thing, Mrs. Norris. Why don't you go to the police? Dr. Doyle, if there's one thing I'd like to have little to do with, thanks. It's the cops. I'm afraid too many people feel that way. And they're wrong. I still don't want to have nothing to do with them. Mm-hmm. Well, there certainly wasn't any harm in your coming to see me, Mrs. Norris. Although I'll be frank with you, there doesn't seem to be anything I can do at the moment. However, I want you to get in touch with me the very next time your husband acts up. Will you do that? I sure will, Dr. Doyle. All right, you go on home now. And if Walter acts up again, I'll do what I can to straighten him out. Gee, I hope so. I knew I could count on you, Dr. Doyle. Thank you. I can't tell you how relieved you just made me. Alan, I'm home. Oh, hello, Walter. You're home early. Yeah, I wound things up pretty good at the shop. Hmm. Well, sit right down, dear. I saved you something warm to eat. No fooling. Hey, I had a sandwich downtown. I don't want you to go to so much trouble. Ah, uh, there's nothing that's too much trouble for you, Walter. Just take me a second. Uh, do anything special today? Yeah, just taking a movie with Edna. Yeah, what'd you see? Yeah, nothing worth talking about. Uh, by the way, uh, your insurance premiums are due. I set them out for you to take care of. Oh, gee, thanks, honey. I don't know what I'd do without you around. Hey, does this smell good? Chicken pie, my favorite. Eat it while it's hot. I got something for you to do right after. Yeah? What? That second act, Walter. I'm still having trouble with it. Oh? Uh? Yeah. I thought maybe you'd rehearse with me. And just for a little while, you know. You wouldn't mind doing that for me, Walter, now would you? Oh, it's you, Mrs. Norris. I'm sorry to bother you, Mrs. Bennett, but uh, I wonder if you have a little liniment. I uh, accidentally bumped into a door and bruised my arm. Accidentally bumped into a door, huh? I understand, my dear. I understand only too well. Come on in. I'll fix your bite up. Anything else, Mrs. Norris? Some uh, nice fresh peaches, maybe? They're not special. Nah, I think that'll be all. Thank you, Tony. Uh, look, Mrs. Norris, it's none of my business, I know, but is everything all right at home? Uh, you seem kind of upset lately, and... Oh, look, uh... please, Tony, uh, if you don't mind, I'd uh, rather not talk about it. Well, that's all we wanted to say, Mrs. Norris. All of us neighbors, now, you may not think so, but we know plenty about what's been going on around here, and all I want to say is we're behind you, Mrs. Norris, and if there's ever anything we can do, well, we want you to call on us. That's all we wanted to say. Hello? Phil, it's me, Helen. Yeah, Helen. Everything went perfect, Phil. The crime doctor's all taken care of and the neighbor's eaten out of my hand. So what do you say? What do I say? I say, let's go, Helen. Tonight's the night. Tonight? Yeah, what's the matter? You're not nervous, are you? I don't think so. I sure be glad when it's over, though. Well, just remember all I told you and it'll be over before you're not. Uh, did Walter mail in those insurance premium checks? I don't know. I know we signed them. Good. All you got to do is rehearse that third act with them. And when you get to the gun scene, that's the curtain. <laughs> in more ways than one. Okay, Phil. You do a good job, huh, Helen? Real good? I'll, I'll do my best. That's my girl. And don't forget to open the safety catch beforehand. I won't. Don't worry. All right, Helen. That's it, then. So long for now. So long, Phil. And happy hunting. <laughs> Thank you. 
Hey, Helen. What's going on around here? Am I poisoned or something? Hello, Walter. Whatever are you talking about? The neighbors. I just passed them in the hall. They act like I'm poisoned or something. Ah, never mind the old neighbors. Put down the bag and give your wife a great big kiss. Why, sure, honey. I... Oh, no, now, wait a minute. What? No, you don't. You're not going to start that stuff again on me. No play rehearsing tonight. Oh, Walter, don't be like that. It's the third act. It's all. You'll be finished after tonight. Nothing doing. I promise you, Walter. Tonight's the last time you have to rehearse. Walter? Well, if you promise, this is the last time. Cross my heart and hope to die. Walter, you're an angel. Eh. Here's your script. Page 116. Uh, Why do I put on my glasses? Uh Uh-oh. Look at this. I forgot to mail out my insurance premium checks. Oh. You take care of it for me, will you, dear? Otherwise, I'll walk around with them in my pocket all week. You know me. Okay, honey. Just leave them on the table there. Page 116. Yeah, yeah, 116. It's where uh, Arthur comes home in a tantrum. Uh, He's had all he can take from his cheating wife, and he's going to kill her. You know, this sure is a creepy play. Here we are. 116. Okay, your line first. Uh Uh-huh. Now, look, you. I want to talk to you alone. Well, we are alone, so spill it. I told you once, I told you a hundred times, I don't want you running around. And I told you a hundred times to mind your own lousy business. You're my wife, that's my business. So it's your business, you're stuck with it. Not anymore, I'm not, I... Oh, they go to neighbors again. Never mind the neighbors, keep going. Not anymore, I'm not, I'm putting an end to it tonight. Don't you come near me. Put that gun down. I'm going to... Huh? Hey, that's not the next line. Don't come near me. Don't you touch me. Now, wait, wait a minute, Helen. I, I must have lost the place or something. Take your hands off me, Walter. Walter, this guy's name is Arthur. Take your hands off me. You're choking me. Don't choke it. What are you talking about? I'm not laying a hand on you. Stop. Don't. Put down that poker. Helen, stop that, will you? What are you doing with that gun? Help. Somebody help. Helen, put down that gun. Helen, no. Help. <laughs> We'll be back with Act Three of Colin Doyle, Crime Doctor, in just a few moments. Meantime, this message. You're listening to the Old Time Radio Hour on Sid Valley Radio. Now, back to Act Three of Colin Doyle, Crime Doctor, and the case of the bad actor. Colin Doyle speaking. Uh, Dr. Doyle, this is Officer Burke at the 21st Precinct. Oh, yes, Burke. What can I do for you? I'm calling for Lieutenant Kane, Doctor. We're here at 101 Beckman Street. There's just been a homicide. A homicide? Where's Inspector Phillips? He was called to Washington to testify in some investigation, sir. Lieutenant Kane thought you might help us out. Oh, well, of course. Uh, what's the address again? Uh, 101 Beckman. Uh, Mr. Walter Norris. Walter Norris? Burke, tell the lieutenant that I'm on my way. <laughs> Oh, glad you could make it, Doctor. Got here fast as I could, Burke. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, Lieutenant, the crime doctor's here. Good, be right with him. How did he kill her, Burke? He? Uh, come right in, Dr. Doyle. He didn't kill anybody, sir. It was Mrs. Norris shot him. What? Yeah, well, that's right, sir. Hello I, uh... there, Dr. Doyle. Good of you to come. Burke, take over from the inside, will you, please? Yeah, right, Lieutenant. Real good of you, Doctor. The inspector's in Washington testifying in that Thatcher case, and I'm in something of a bind. Mm, so, Officer Burke was telling me. He also said it was Walter Norris who was shot, not his wife. That's right. What do you mean, not his wife? We'll 
get to that. Oh, it was his wife did the shooting. Three bullets ripped across the chest. She did a real thorough job. Murder? Self-defense, as far as I can make out. Self-defense, eh? What's her story? Let her tell you. But I may as well warn you, she hasn't been very coherent up to now. Pretty hysterical. The kind of reaction you'd expect. I say. Uh, what's this over here? Contents from the dead man's pockets. Mm-hmm. The handkerchief and wallet were taken from the pants pocket. That envelope contained signed insurance premium checks. It was in the breast pocket of the jacket. And the keys were in the right jacket pocket. Nothing special about any of it. Mm-hmm. Well, shall we go in? Of course. Who's in there with her? Uh, a couple of neighbors. First one's on the scene, a Mrs. Bennett. She lives just down the hall. And a guy named Phil Ruloff. He was coming for a visit. Talks a lot. <laughs> so I hear. Oh, oh, there you are, Lieutenant. What do you say we break this thing up? Well, you couldn't have a more obvious case of self-defense if you tried. Uh, what do you say to sitting down in that chair and keeping still, Ruloff? Dr. Doyle here will determine just how obvious this case is. Oh, Dr. Doyle, oh, thank heaven you come. It's been awful. You get me out of here. I know you will. There now, Mrs. Norris, just take it easy. I'll do my best. Do you feel up to telling the lieutenant and me exactly what happened? Of course she don't feel up to it. What kind of question is that? Poor girl's been through enough. Roll on. All you have to do is just look at her, that's all. A Mrs. Norris. I, uh, I think I'll be able to, Dr. Doyle. Helen, all I gotta say, you're within your constitutional rights to remain... Roll off, if you don't keep that mouth of yours closed until called on, I'll be within my constitutional rights to have Officer Burke close it for you. Go right ahead, Mrs. Norris. Well, uh, as I told you in your office, Dr. Doyle, my husband Walter and I weren't getting along too well. What with his drinking and the fighting and his being jealous and all. In your office? Uh, Yes, Lieutenant. Mrs. Norris came to my office for advice several days ago, just as she says. She was afraid that her husband might try to kill her. It was crazy wild, that guy. Uh, Lieutenant? Yes, Burke? I checked with all the neighbors on that, what she said. They told me the fighting that went on in this apartment the last few weeks was something terrible. Terrible is right. The way that man treated this poor thing, you wouldn't treat a dog. All right, thank you, Mrs. Bennett. Now, what happened after you saw Dr. Doyle, Mrs. Norris? Well, uh, let's see. Just uh, tell us what happened, Mrs. Norris. Uh-huh. Well, uh, you told me there was nothing you could do at the moment, Doctor, so I just went home to Walter. Things went all right for a couple of days. Just a few little spats like in Yeah, a few little spats. You should have seen the bruises that beast put on her pretty arm. I told her once, I told her a hundred times to divorce that lousy sadist. You were right, Phil. I should have listened to you. Yeah. If only I'd listened. Now, 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 please try to go on, Mrs. Norris. What happened earlier tonight? Tonight? Yes. Well, uh, Walter came home drunk again. I, I thought we'd spend a quiet evening at home, you know, maybe get things back to the way they used to be. I even invited Phil, uh, Mr. Ruloff here, to come over and maybe play some cards. But Walter wanted to go out. Go on. I asked him. I asked Walter not to go. And he started to yell at me, calling me awful names. I tried to calm him down, but he'd been drinking too much. All at once, he started choking me. I'm putting an end to all this, he yelled at me. I broke away and I... And I, and I, I know this is difficult for you, Mrs. Norris. I'm all right. It's just it was so horrible. What happened then? Then he grabbed up the fire poker. This uh, poker, Mrs. Norris? That's the one. That heavy thing. And then he raised it high over his head with both hands like he was going to bring it down on my head. Yes? I lost control. I was scared half to death. I pulled out the gun he always kept in the drawer before I could bring down the poker. I... You shot him? Well, if I didn't, he would have killed me. Sure. I shot him, yes. Then I shot him again. Two, three. I don't know how many times. And Walter fell to the floor, dead. I see. You shot him in self-defense. What I've been saying to everyone right along. Uh, Lieutenant, do you mind if I ask a few questions? That's what we got you here for, Dr. Doyle. Officer Burke, sir. 
What was the position of the body when you found it? Uh, flat down on the floor, Doctor. His right arm clutched over his chest. And as I said, three bullets right through the jacket lodged in the chest. The poker? Right alongside him. Was he wearing a vest? Uh, no, sir, no vest, just a jacket. Thank you, Burke. Lieutenant, how about the gun? Empty barrel, Doctor. All six shots fired. Mm-hmm. Well, as your Mr. Ruloff here pointed out, it would be hard to find a more obvious case of self-defense if you tried. Well, Lieutenant, now that your crime doctor has backed up what I've been telling you right along, don't you think it'd be a nice idea if we, all of us, went home? I won't keep you much longer, Ruloff. I just have two more questions to ask to complete my, as you put it, backing up. Uh, Mrs. Norris, you said after the shots rang out, your husband dropped to the floor dead. Is that right? That's right, Doctor. You're quite certain he wasn't still alive? Absolutely certain. And did you by any chance touch your husband's body after he dropped to the floor? No, Dr. Doyle, I couldn't. Then you couldn't have placed anything at all into his pockets that hadn't been there prior to the shooting? Of course not. Uh, why would I do anything like that? I think I know why, Mrs. Norris. And I'm sure I know that everything you've said here tonight has been one big hundred percent fabrication. What? You better be prepared to back up a crummy accusation like that, Doctor. Oh, I'm prepared, Ruloff. You killed your husband all right, Mrs. Norris, but not in self-defense. In planning your crime, you thought you had an airtight story to go with it, but you overlooked two little details that clearly pin the crime of deliberate murder directly on you. Ladies and gentlemen, in exactly 120 and a half seconds, Colin Doyle, the crime doctor, will be back to reveal the two little details overlooked by the suspect. Meantime, you're listening to the Old Time Radio Hour on Sid Valley Radio. Now back to the conclusion of Colin Doyle, Crime Doctor, and the case of the bad actor. Now, you said, Dr. Doyle, that in telling her story, Mrs. Norris overlooked two little details that pin the crime of deliberate murder on her? Yes, Lieutenant. It was such an inventive story that I almost hate to show it up for what it is. A whole series of unmitigated lies. Dr. Doyle, how can you stand there and talk like that? I don't know what's gotten into you. You, above all, should know how hard I tried to avoid something like this. Oh, I do, Mrs. Norris. I do know. Well, then... I know that your visit to me and the staged fight for the neighbors... Staged fight? ...were all part of a very clever scheme dreamed up by you and your partner... No doubt, our very own Mr. Ruloff here. Well, this is the most outrageous accusation I ever heard of, Doctor. Take it easy, Ruloff. Keep it down. It's much more than an accusation, Ruloff. The two of you thought you'd worked out a perfect plan to get rid of Walter and call it self-defense. But in trying to make no mistakes, you make two very vital ones that make Helen's story the big lie. I only told the truth, Dr. Doyle. No, Helen, you didn't. You told me you shot your husband because he was about to hit you over the head with a poker. That's right, he was. In fact, he was all poised to strike with the poker held high over his head in both his hands. Well, what's wrong with that? You saw the poker on the floor there. I saw the poker that you put there. But if what you said was the truth, I wouldn't have seen three bullet holes through the chest of his jacket. Why not? I got off at least three shots before he could crown me. Hardly, Helen. Now, that's one of the details you overlooked. When a man wearing a jacket raises his hands over his head, the jacket hikes up along with them. If you shot him three times in that position, as you said, the bullet holes would have appeared much lower in the jacket, not chest high as they are. What? Now, wait just a minute, uh, Dr. Doyle. Yes? 
Well, uh, maybe, um, uh, uh, now, now that I think back on it, I... Uh-huh. I, I uh, well, maybe, maybe his hand was lower than I thought. I mean, I was so scared, I just can't be sure. Perhaps. We can be sure, however, of the other little detail you overlooked. You also said that you didn't place anything at all into your husband's pockets after you shot him. Well, so what? I didn't. You sure of that? Absolutely. I told you. Gee, I don't know what all this fuss is about. I'll tell you what it's about, Helen. It's about this envelope containing insurance premium checks. It was found in your husband's breast pocket by Officer Burke. Is that right, Burke? Yes, sir, that's right. So Walter was going out to mail some insurance checks. So what about it? Can I help it? He was doing his duty, trying to protect me. Well, you see, Helen, your husband took three shots across the chest. Two of the bullets tearing directly through the breast pocket. Now, if, as you said, this envelope was in his pocket at that time, how do you account for its remarkable lack of bullet holes? What? Oh, my God. You thought those premium checks lying around loose might suggest a possible motive for murder. So after you shot your husband, you stuffed the envelope back into his breast pocket. That was the vital detail you overlooked. You liar! Hold the body and hold it! Before either of you has anything more to say, I want to warn you that anything you say from now on can be used against you. I'm holding you both on suspicion of murder. You've been listening to The Case of the Bad Actor. Tune in tomorrow for Counter Spy, CIA. And next week at this same time for another exciting deduction by Colin Doyle in The Case of the Bad Penny. Colin Doyle, Crime Doctor, is written and directed by Jack Anson Fink. Technical direction by William Taylor. Technical consultant, Detective Sergeant Kevin Hallinan of the New York City Police Department. Production by Robert Franklin and Cinema Sound Limited. In association with the Chicago Tribune, New York News Syndicate. Until next week, then, this is Bob Maxwell with a final word of caution from the crime doctor. If you listen at the keyhole, you may hear news of yourself. Good night.
They've borne too much fruit Charmed all the wayside There's no dispute Now shedding leaves They don't give a hoot La-dee-da, dee-da-dee-da Tis autumn Then the birds got together To chirp about the weather After making their decision In birdie-like precision Turned about And made a beeline to the south My holding you close Really is no crime Ask the birds, the trees And old father time It's just to make the mercury climb La-dee-da, dee-da-dee-da Tis autumn You're listening to the Old Time Radio Hour on Sid Valley Radio. The Damon Runyon Theater. Once again, the Damon Runyon Theater brings you another story by the master storyteller, Damon Runyon. And this one, Joe Terrace. And to tell it to you, here is Broadway. Thanks. As they say in books, I am more than somewhat at a loss to figure how to begin telling you about Joe Terrace, who was a linotype operator on one of the Daily Blats. I guess it begins one early morning about four in the a.m. in Mindy's. Quite a few of the newspaper guys drop in for a snack, and Joe Terrace does also when he finishes work. Well, on this particular morning, I am sitting with Johnny Brannigan, uh, plainclothes gendarme, and Marty Freider, who will bet on anything. Marty looks up and says... I could have made book on it. There he comes. Joe Terrace. Right on the dot, 4 a.m. I wonder who winds him up and sets him. <laughs> I hear tell he's the best line of typer in town. Never makes a mistake. Every guy makes a mistake, Marty, sooner or later. Not Joe. I hear also that he never leaves out so much as a dot over an eye. No guy is perfect, not even him. Got any dough, Johnny? Not for a touch. No touch. But you're sure every guy slips up sooner or later, huh? Murderers, crooks, con men, even plain, ordinary guys like Joe Terrace. Why? I'll lay five to one on Joe. What do you mean? How? We'll find out what stuff he sets up on a paper. You and me make a bet for six months that he don't slip. Not even once? Not even half a once. Anything counts? Anything. A word left out, one too many put in, anything. For how much? My 50 against your 10. <laughs> you get that, Broadway? Uh-huh. Marty bets that Joe does not make a mistake for six months. You say he does. It's a deal. I still say that sooner or later, every guy makes a mistake. It's what's called human nature. And Joe Terrace is only human. So, that is the way Marty Freighter and Johnny Brannigan make a bet. Personally, I think Johnny stands to lose the sawbuck because I know Joe Terrace and he is like a machine. However, what happens is something for the books. And I will tell you about it in a minute.
And now, back to the Damon Runyon Theater and the famous story, Joe Terrace. Well, like I say, Marty and Johnny make that bet. And a couple of weeks go by, and Joe Terrace never forgets so much as a comma or a similar item. Now, I purposely leave out telling you about Joe's wife before, because it is hard to tell you what she is like, except that she is short and a little more than somewhat on the uh, full side in build. However, it is always 4.30 a.m. when she comes in Mindy's to get Joe. And one morning, the scene is as follows. I like to come in here, Broadway. Want another cup of coffee, Joe? Oh, no. Thanks, Broadway. It's about time for Tubby to show up, and she never likes me to have more than one cup. Oh, I see. You've never been married, have you? I managed to evade the possibility for some time now. Have you ever thought about it? Oh, I think about it. But then I dismissed the idea as foolish. Oh. I've been married for 18 years. Just a tubby, huh? Just a tubby. Well, it is nice to see a citizen who is steady. It Hiya, is... fellas. Oh, sit down, Johnny. Thanks. How are you, Joe? Just fine, Johnny. And you? Good. When are you going to slip up, Joe? Huh? Slip? What do you mean? You don't know about the bet, huh? What bet? Oh, Johnny here and Marty Freda make a bet on you, Joe. Marty bets you never make a mistake in your work. Johnny says you will. <laughs> I've never made one yet in my work. I got 24 weeks left to see you do it. A lot can happen in 24 weeks. I'm counting on that. Well, here comes Tubby. I guess I got to go. Well, here I am right on the dot. Hello, Broadway, Johnny. Oh, oh, oh ready to I... go, Joe? Yes, dear, I'm ready. I always like to see Joe come in here after work. It relaxes him. His line of work is so exacting, don't you think? Well, A man I... needs to relax, don't you think so? And I think a man's wife should always help him do that. I think after sitting in that stuffy room at the paper all night, he needs his wife to talk to, don't you? Well, I... Joe and I talk about a lot of things, don't we, Joe? Yes, we do. Uh, well, Everything I... go all right tonight, Joe? Well, except... Everything for... always goes all right for Joe. He's the most careful man in the world. Why, his pipe's always in the same place, and... Did anything interesting happen tonight, Joe? Nothing. Nothing at all. Oh, you poor dear, you're tired. Come on, I've got the car parked at the garage. We'll walk there and pick it up. Oh, I had the tank filled and the whole thing checked. Oh, was something wrong? Joe, don't you know what day tomorrow is? Another day. Joe, it's our day off. Oh, uh, I forgot. Just like a man. You know, we always take a drive up the Palisades on our day off. We haven't missed in ten years, have we, Joe? Except for the time Not we... once in ten years. We pack a lunch and just relax. Yeah, I can see that. Well, let's go, Joe. I know you like to talk to your friends, but you got to get some sleep sometime. Good night, Broadway, Johnny. Good night. Good night. See you later. Sure, okay, Joe. Be good, Joe. Yeah. Good. Joe, I think you ought to talk to the man about the pain on the house. Funny that a quiet guy like oh, Joe should marry a dame who uh, likes to talk. Maybe Joe is not quiet 18 years ago. Maybe he just gets that way. <laughs> I see what you mean. Yeah, there's nothing to laugh about. A doll like that can be very wearing on a man over 18 years. I wasn't thinking about that. Oh, no? What do you think about, Johnny? Oh, just that I made the wrong bet. Well, how do you figure that? I should have made the bet 18 years ago because, brother, he made his big mistake then. Well, a couple more weeks go by, and still Joe Terrace never pulls a clinker in his work. It is letter perfect. Then it is one morning about time for Joe to show up in Mindy's. I am sitting with Marty Freighter, and we are talking about the bet. I tell you, Broadway, it is like betting on the only horse in a race. I cannot lose. You notice what time it is? Eh? Yeah, almost 4.15 a.m. Why? And you think nothing is peculiar? Peculiar? You mean funny? Peculiar is what I say. What are you talking about? Where is Joe Terrace? Eh? I... Hey. He is late. Yeah, he is late. 
Now, that's funny. Very. Because every morning for a long time, Joe Terrace comes in right about four bells. In fact, the chef times is cooking by Joe Terrace. Maybe it's his day off. Uh-uh. Yesterday is. Oh. Say, you don't think anything's happened to the guy, do you? All I say is, it is very peculiar that he does not show up. Yeah. And I... Hey, there's Johnny Brannigan. Yeah, I see him. Hey, uh, hey, Johnny! Over here! Hello, Marty. Broadway. Hi, Johnny. What's new, Johnny? Lots. What do you mean by lots? You drinking this coffee? It has got sugar in it. I like sugar. You got something on your mind, Johnny? Uh-huh. Joe didn't come in, did he? We are just talking about it when we see you. Joe won't be here. Not this morning. Something happens? Something happens. Something about our bet? Nope. Yesterday was Joe's day off. Yeah, I know that. What about it? Every day off, he and his wife take a drive up to the Palisades for a picnic. What are you getting at, Johnny? It didn't turn out to be a picnic yesterday. Hand me the cream. Right here. This is what I like about gendarmes. They talk all around things without well, ever seeing anything. Training. Well, Joe and his wife took their outing. Only Joe came back from it. What happened? From the way Joe told it, she, Tubby, got a little too close to the edge. She was dead when Joe got down to her. The poor guy. The poor little guy. Yeah. It's all broken up. You see him? Uh-huh. About a half hour ago. Gee. Marty, if you want to call the bed off, it's all right with me. A guy in Joe's spot isn't responsible for any mistakes he makes. Mm, no. I'll stick with the guy. Okay. Gee, this makes me feel awful bad. I... I don't feel like sitting here anymore. He's going to miss her after 18 years. I got to go. I don't like it here anymore. See you tomorrow. Yeah, bye. So long, honey. Um, Jenny. Hmm? How does it happen you go to see Joe? Routine. What routine? Ah, uh, just routine. By the way, you doing anything special tomorrow? Well, I plan on a few hours at the track. A Jamaica. You never pick the right GGs. How about saving yourself some money and take a trip with me tomorrow? Where to? The Palisades. Now that makes me wonder more than someone. It is a little better than six to five that Johnny Brannigan is not making a trip to the Palisades for the scenery. So I am very curious. And the next day I find myself with Johnny and the scene is as follows. Here's the spot right here. Yeah. It is straight down. Anybody falling off here is a sure bet to stop breathing. Yes, and uh, maybe you will now tell me why you wish to come here. Just curious. I know you are a very curious citizen, Johnny. But this time it seems to me your curiosity is very strange. Maybe. How long did Joe say he and Tubby's been coming here? Ten years. Only she said it. That's right. She said it. In fact, she said a lot of things. What does that mean? Nothing, I guess. But in ten years, you get to know a place pretty well. In fact, you could get to know it so very well that you could walk around blindfolded. Just what is on your mind, Johnny? Ah, uh, just a meek little guy. A meek little guy who got along just fine with his wife. Joe and Tubby? I never hear that they ever fight or even have a crossword. That's right. In fact, Joe has very few words to say. Johnny, you are crazy. Sure, sure. You are a cop so long that when something happens that is out of the ordinary, you like to start thinking like a detective. Wrong, Broadway. I'm starting to think like Joe Terrace. Like Joe... Johnny, I like you. So I do not mind telling you now that I think you are out of line. 
Joe is a nice little guy. A swell little guy. A little guy who never makes a mistake. The kind of nice little guy who thinks ahead. Patient. Never does a thing in a rush, but takes his time. So that makes him push his wife off at this place? Did I say that, Broadway? For a guy who does not say it, you make a lot of noises in favor of him. Okay, I'm a cop. I like Joe Terrace, but I'm a cop, Broadway. There is any doubt about it? Let's get out of here. I will be glad to do so. Yeah, I don't like it here. You change your mind about Joe? I never had it made up, one way or the other. I just got to wondering what would happen to a guy who likes it quiet and peaceful. A guy who suddenly can't stand a, a lot of talk anymore. You mean that is why he... Hey, now you have got me wondering about it. Okay, I'll wait. Wait for Joe to make his mistake. Well, you know he never makes any. Oh, I'm not thinking about my bed, Broadway. I'm thinking about another kind of mistake. The kind nobody ever realizes he makes. So, that is that. Johnny is a real smart cop. Nobody ever believes that Joe does anything wrong. In fact, I think Johnny is crazy. But like I say, he is a smart gender. How smart he is and what happens, I will tell you in a minute. This is the Old Time Radio Hour on Sid Valley Radio. And now, back to the Damon Runyon Theater and the famous story, Joe Terrace. Well, after that day at the Palisades with Johnny, I keep a very careful watch. And I see that Johnny watches Joe Terrace. In fact, Johnny makes it a point to be in Mindy's every morning when Joe comes in for his coffee after work. But Johnny never says anything about Tubby or the accident. He is very careful to talk about everything else. Until one morning when the three of us are sitting at a table. And what happens is like this. You're looking better again, Joe. Better? Oh, oh, thanks. Yeah, come to think of it, you are looking better, Joe. I'm pretty good for an old man, I guess. Old? You can't be more than, say, 45, Joe. 46. 46. You don't look it. Now take me a cop. I'm only 37, but I look 50. 51? Thanks, Broadway. I only feel 52. But I guess it's my work. You know, being a cop takes something out of a guy. I think it's because he has to, well, be suspicious. Suspicious? Of everybody, Jimmy? Sometimes. Not always. Tomorrow's your day off, isn't it, Joe? Tomorrow? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is. Gonna stay in town? Sure. Why? Ah, nothing. I was just thinking, you must miss those picnics you and Tubby used to take. Johnny, for the love of no, me. it's all right, Broadway. I do miss him. I miss him a lot. That's a pretty spot you used to go to, Joe. How do you know? I, uh, I went there the day after. Why? I don't know. Well, I gotta be going now. See you later, Broadway, Johnny. Yeah, take it easy, Joe. Sure, take it easy. Brannigan, it is not very long ago that I think you are a good guy. In fact, for a gendarme, you are a very good guy. But that is ten seconds ago. My opinion has changed more than somewhat. You're fickle, Broadway. You'll give that poor guy a very bad needle. Did I? Please do not act innocent with me. It is only a month ago that the accident happens with Tubby. A guy like Joe is not over it yet. And you sit here and make him remember it even more. Maybe I had a reason. Oh, you are still on that kick, huh? Yeah. Broadway, what are you doing tomorrow? Keeping real far away from you. Let's go to the Palisades. What? What is the matter with you? Look, go with me. Just once more. Why? 
Well, I, I like you. I like to think you like me. I don't want you to change your mind. It is already too late to hope that. Look, go with me tomorrow for the last time, and I promise you something. Like what, for example? If you don't agree with me even a little after we get back, I'll never say another word about the whole thing. I promise. I do not know what Johnny is thinking. All I know is that he has got me very curious indeed. So it is the next day about noon that we end up at the Palisades. Johnny parks his car a good piece away from the spot, and I wonder about this, but not for long. Because just when we get to the edge of the place we come the last time, Johnny grabs my arm and says... Look, Broadway. But, Joe, it is Joe Terrace. Yeah, Joe Terrace. What is he doing here? Want to find out? What are you going to do? Just talk to him. Come on. Hello there, Joe. Huh? Johnny. Broadway. Hope we didn't scare you, Joe. Scare me? Why should I be scared, Johnny? Well, we came up on you kind of suddenly. Yeah. What are you doing here, you and Broadway? Looking. What's the idea, Broadway? It seems I come along for the ride. It is not a pleasant one. I see. Standing close to the edge there, aren't you, Joe? Well, not very. You know, we might have scared you so much that you could have jumped back and down. I never get that scared, Johnny. You know your way around, huh? Yes, I do. Why are you here, Joe? It's my day off. Tubby and I used to spend it here. I just came up to... Well, I just felt like it, that's all. Tubby liked it here, didn't she? Lots. For ten years she came here with you. Then one day she gets too close to the edge Johnny, and... have a hunt. That's all right, Broadway. Johnny's right. I, I can't figure out how she happened to get so close. She never did it before. Once is enough. Yeah. Once is enough. You know, if two people were here alone... and one of them wanted to get rid of the other... be easy... That is, if one of them wanted that. If one of them hated the other enough. Oh, sure, always that. Not like you and Tubby. I guess there wasn't a happier couple in New York. Everybody says so. I'm glad everybody says so. I'd hate to think anyone thought different about me and Tubby. I guess you would. Well, I guess we'll be going, Broadway. So long, Joe. So long, Johnny. Broadway. See you later, Joe. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh... By the way, Joe. Yeah, Johnny? I'm still waiting for you to make that mistake. I don't make mistakes. Everybody does, sooner or later. You shouldn't have made that bet. I got time. Lots of it. Come on, Broadway. Well, I have got to admit that maybe Johnny has got something. There is the way Joe looks at him, the way he talks, the way he seems so sure of himself. And he does not seem real broken up. However, Johnny never lets up. He keeps watching Joe. And whenever the two meet, it is like a couple of boxes. Then it comes up one night in Mindy's, and the scene is as follows. Where's Johnny, Broadway? Huh? You say something, Marty? Yeah, I say, where is Johnny Brannigan? Oh, I do not know. Why do you ask? Just because tonight is the last night he has got. Oh, it is six months already, huh? To the day. Hmm. <laughs> a sure thing, Broadway. I could have given 20 to one and never lose a wink of sleep. Joe Terrace just don't make no mistakes. You know, Marty, it seems as though you were right. Very right. You'd have thought a guy losing his wife like he does would have slipped one time or another. But nope. He goes right on like a machine. Yeah. 
Like a machine. Yeah, speaking of your bet, here comes Johnny. Oh, <laughs> yeah, watch me give him the needle. Not too much. I do not think he is liable to take it kindly. Saw loser, huh? Yeah, maybe, but not the way you think. Hiya, Johnny. Broadway, Marty. Johnny, you owe me a sawbuck. Not yet, Marty. It is six months. It'll be six months at four o'clock tomorrow morning. We bet on the hour, too? Yeah, we did. Fair enough, Broadway? It seems to me that it is. The six months will be up at four o'clock tomorrow morning. So that gives me six more hours. Okay. If Joe Terrace does not slip in six months, he will not slip in six hours. But at four o'clock, you hand over his sawbuck. Sure. And I agree with you, Marty. If Joe Terrace doesn't slip in the next six hours, I'll quit trying. You mean that, Johnny? That's right, Broadway. I mean it. I know the way Johnny says that, that he does mean it. Maybe he has got doubts now, too. But, like I say before, Johnny is a smart cop. Well, what with one thing and another, and because I have got to get up early to go to the track the next day, I retire early. I am in bed by four in the morning. And I'm just drifting away when I hear... Yeah, who is it? Broadway, this is Johnny. Johnny? Johnny Brannigan? Yeah, what are you doing? I am planning to sleep. What are you doing, staying awake for life? You meet me in half an hour in front of Mindy's? Huh? Why? I think Joe Terrace made a mistake. Okay, Johnny. I will be there in 15 minutes. I'll be in a cab in front. We'll have a couple of calls to make. Calls? Yeah. One to Joe's paper, then to a minister by the name of McClee. Minister? Johnny, you are talking to me, Broadway. And besides, you are already married. Just be there, that's all. Johnny, please tell me what this is all about. First you rush to the paper and you do a lot of talking. Now you're rushing out to a minister. Yeah, that's right. I just wanted to make sure Joe set up the line of type for this. What is it? Tell you later. I guess this is it. Wait here, cabbie. Be right back. Come on, Broadway. It seems to me that 4.30 in the morning is no time to be paying a call on anybody, much less a minister. I called him. He knows I'm coming. I will try to be patient, but the top of my head is bulging. How do you do, Mr. Brannigan? Me. It's nice of you to go to this trouble, Reverend McClee. Not at all. Your phone call was very unusual. We won't come in. That it in your hand? Yes. Here you are. Won't take a minute. This is exactly the way you wrote it? Word for word. Nothing left out, nothing added. It's an exact copy. In fact, you can see that's a carbon. Can I have this for a while? Certainly. And I, uh, I hope for his sake that you're wrong. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Well, thanks, Reverend McClee. Goodbye. Goodbye. Now the top of my head is all the way off, Johnny. Broadway, let's go see Joe Terrace. He is a very hard sleeper. You knock for a minute already. Take it easy. What's the matter? Oh. Hello, Joe. Johnny. Mind if we come in? No, come on. Joe, this won't take only a few seconds. Joseph Terrace, I hereby arrest you for the murder of your wife. You do? Why, Johnny? On your confession. Confession? Johnny, he does not say a word. He didn't have to. Did you, Joe? What do you know, Johnny? How do you know? Here. You set the type of this sermon by Reverend McClee, didn't you? Uh, yes, I did. 
You can check at the paper. I did. Now, here. Here's a copy of the sermon. Reverend McClee gave it to me. Take a look at it, Joe. A good look. Read it carefully. Then read what you set up for the paper. I see. I guess I made a mistake, didn't I? <laughs> How do you like that? All my life I've been a typesetter and linotype operator, and this is the first mistake I ever made. Coming along, Joe? I guess I am, Johnny. I guess I am. You know, I'm glad. It was kind of a strain on me. Else I never would have made that mistake. Okay, Johnny, I'll dress and go with you. So Joe dresses and goes with me and Johnny. By this time, I am unable to say a word because I do not know what to talk about. It is later that morning after Joe is booked that Johnny and me are sitting in Mindy's and he tells me the payoff, which I will tell you in a minute. say it is later that morning in Mindy's. Johnny is talking to me. I just about gave up, Broadway. In fact, I would have if it hadn't been for that bet with Marty Freighter. I looked through the paper. I always read everything. It's the cop in me. Never miss a thing. You mean you even read sermons? Yeah. Let me read you something. Here. And in the brotherhood of mankind, there is everlasting hope. Oh, Lord, please forgive me for what I did. Huh? What do you say? That sentence doesn't fit, does it? Then again, we are all one in the sight of the Creator. Let us think that way. And, oh, Lord, please forgive me for what I did. Joe Terrace. He is thinking about what he does to Tubby. Yeah. His subconscious mind thought about it. The poor guy. It drives him crazy. Yeah, I guess so. Well, I... Well, Johnny, I looked for you at four, but you are not here. No, Marty, I, uh, I was someplace else. You know you owe me a saw buck. Oh, oh sure, sure. Here you are. <laughs> I always bet on a sure thing. See you again sometime, Johnny. Yeah, yeah, sure. Johnny, you do not lose that bet. You win it. I told you once before, Broadway. I like Joe Terrace. The mistake he made doesn't count. Not for the bet. <laughs> And so ends the famous Damon Runyon story, Joe Terrace. Listen in again next week for... The Damon Runyon Theater. The Damon Runyon Theater with John Brown as Broadway is directed by Richard Sandville and the stories adapted for radio by Russell Hughes. Vern Carstensen is in charge of production. This is a Mayfair production. The Old Time Radio Hour will be back next Sunday at 4 o'clock. We hope you can join us here on Sid Valley Radio.